Welcome, 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 welcome to No Head Podcast, a place where we learn to live in the present moment and navigate life together. If you're tuning in for the first time, my name is Dorothy Oko, and when I'm not doing my full-time job in communications, I facilitate a course, a mindfulness course at Google called Search Inside Yourself. And if you haven't subscribed, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button just now. It really helps me push the podcast. And today's guest is Marinke Van Reed. Marinke is the outgoing voice global program manager for Oxfam Novib. Marinke, welcome. Thank you so much, Dorothy, for having me. And before we start, and I go into the full intro of who you are, Let's take a few moments to just fully arrive. You are in The Hague. I'm here in Nairobi. We have had a crazy time setting up. And so I invite you to just be centered, feel your breath. Yes. And we will do three breaths together. We will breathe in to a count of five, hold to a count of two, and then let it out slowly to a count of five. And we will do that three times. Will you join me? Yes, we'd love All right. to. Let's start. Breathing in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. Breathing in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. Breathing in. Hold. Breathe out slowly. Now let your breathing return to its normal rhythm. Just breathing in and out, letting your breath lead you, letting your breath guide you, not controlling anything, just letting your breath be. And now, just bringing your presence back to this moment. Thank you. And welcome. Thank you, Dorothy. I wanted to start with a quote that actually led us to talking uh, and me inviting you to the podcast. The quote is from Elena Roosevelt, who says, to be mature, you have to realize what you value most. It is extraordinary to discover that comparatively few people reach this level of maturity they seem never to have paused to consider what has value for them. They spend great effort and sometimes great sacrifices for values that fundamentally 
meet no real needs of their own. Perhaps they have imbibed the values of their particular profession or job, of their community or their neighbors, of their parents or family. Not to arrive at a clear understanding of one's own values is a tragic waste. You have missed the whole point of what life is for. End of quote. And I see you smiling as we are reading this. But let's start by you introducing yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and then about what this quote means to you. Thank you, Dorothy. And so lovely to be invited uh, to your podcast. I've been following you for quite, for quite some time now. And I, I love the title already, No Head, because that's precisely what I've been trying to do with the recent decisions I took in my life, is to really um, look function with my heart and less of my head. So my name is Marienke van Riet. Uh, I've just turned half a century. It's important because supposedly I've reached the level of maturity. Um, and maybe supposedly I am an adult, although I don't always take myself and life too seriously. But I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that. I'm currently the outgoing manager for Voice. Uh, and Voice has been the huge, the biggest privilege of my life uh, to lead a grant facility that works on diversity and inclusion based on the principle of nothing about us without us, has led me to a profound reflection on who I am, what my added value is, what my purpose is, uh, by meeting extraordinary people um, who have a very different lived reality. Uh, and uh, yeah, I've seen it within voice, within this ground facility, a combination of various aspects of my life. I'm a Dutch citizen, an anthropologist by training, a uh, big passion for Africa. I think I'm one of the few non-Africans who can say that they visited all African countries, wow. except for South Sudan. Um, yeah, and I'm currently based in Den Haag, uh, haven't been able to travel um, for, my, for my work as much as I would like to. So yeah, that in a small nutshell is uh, it's just one part of me. Right. I like to play with various parts of me, various identities that we all have, and depending on the space and time, yeah, there are different aspects of, of my life and my personality that come out. The quote is very meaningful of where I am right now uh, in my life. Um, yeah, I, I've reached an emotional um, maturity, still reaching to, to aim higher. Um, that has led me to, yeah, to make decisions more based on my emotions, more based on my uh, feelings rather than just on my head. Right. And I'm sure it wasn't just one good day and you decided this is the end. I'm going to leave um, voices and hand over to the next generation. There must have been a process. Can you talk us through the process, the journey that led you to the day you looked at yourself in the mirror and said, I need to leave, pass the baton to someone else. Again, the other conversations you've had in your podcast talked a lot about COVID um, uh, being, you know, obviously a horrible pandemic, but it's also been an opportunity to reflect on yourself, on where you are, on your values. 
and I've had quite a, a difficult year. Um, I've had my dad and, and his brother, a close uncle of mine, both passed away. Nothing COVID-related. They had a long, uh, rich life. But luckily, especially with my dad in the last phase of his life, I've had many conversations on on, on my dreams as a little girl, he shared with me, and, and my aspirations. And, and quite a few of them have been fortunate enough to come out. Um, but also, he was sharing with me that at 50, it's sort of a turning point in, in, in your life. Um, and that you may want to look at yourself um, and your added value a little bit differently from before. Um, I'm, I'm an extrovert. I like being out there. I like uh, doing activism and advocacy. But um, I've, I've, I'm also playing with a different mantra, um, the hashtag sisterhood for sistergood I really like. I came up with uh, to, sort of, to sort of create space for others to shine and that it's no longer about Marinke, but that it's the other creating platforms where others can take space and where others can shine. And that, I feel, is where I am at this point in my, in my life. I say combined with COVID-19, um, there's also Black Lives Matter, the whole conversation around white privilege and decolonizing aid. And those have all taken a flight in 2020. They were all brewing but I've, and creating a groundswell. But I feel that this period of of introspection is really, yeah, has created that momentum where I could feel quite comfortable. I'm going to leave and create space for others mm. and then explore what still my, my re yeah, repurpose would be. Right. Um, talking about creating space for others, it takes a certain level of self-awareness and, almost letting go of the ego because the ego wants to feel that it is needed and it needs to be there. Um, how, have, how has this played out even as you're making the decision, this idea of I need to create space for others and how have you done it, you know, um, at Voices, you know, even before your resignation? That's a really tough question because mm. I still feel I haven't found the, the right balance. Um, it, it, you know, a lot in this world is also around promoting oneself, making right. sure that you are out there um, and, and to then take a step back and say, actually, sister, take that space is not an, an easy process. No, right. it, it's, uh, and yeah, it's a constant juggle. I, mm -hmm. I'm not there yet. Um, but within um, Voice, um, we not only provide financial support to organizations, but we also have a linking and learning component. Mm -hmm. And this linking and learning component is where the rights holders, we, we no longer call them beneficiaries or program participants, but these are rights holders that have the innate right to claim a better life on their right. terms. Right. And that linking and learning space has provided people and it, it wasn't about voice either. It mm. was really about the rights holders that we serve. Right. And they took that space. And so it wasn't about me doing an opening or it wasn't about my colleague doing a closing. This was their space. Right. And so we often had an agenda. And that was for someone who likes control was tricky. We had a white spaced agenda. Mm -hmm. 
We had nothing on the agenda but just time slots because it was up to the rights holders to create an energy Mm -hmm. where they could pick what topic they wanted to go with or wanted to discuss. Mm. And yeah, it's been a, a learning and a big reflection. Right. But I, yeah. And I think 50 is, in general, a really big moment of reflection for, right. for, uh, for people. I like when you talk, actually, I've, I had never heard of it, except when I was reading your website and, and, and your resignation letter, talking about the rights holder. Poverty is really at the, the base of everything to do with international development, nonprofit, aid, um, and Wangari Madai, um, I, I just finished reading her book where she says, poverty is as a result of bad governance, environmental mismanagement, and an outcome of the global economic system. And I wonder, you know, when you talk, you talk about diverse, you, you actually talk about inclusive governance and accountability. And you say poverty is really not the thing. But I feel like poverty inclusive governance and accountability somehow all play a part in this, the AIDS issue we have had, you know, donor aid uh, in terms of just making the rights holder completely dependent for years on the donor aid and never getting out of that cycle of poverty. What do you feel and having been even now as you're leaving, what can be done better to to, to, to remove this cycle of poverty that keeps us, you know, in this almost global economic system that wants the poor to stay poor. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's a big one. And, and I don't think I have the, 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 the million-dollar solution uh, for this. But it starts a lot with dignity and self-worth. I feel there's quite a bit of... Uh, um, even in the language that we use and people self-censoring themselves uh, by yeah, downplaying who they are, downplaying their worth, um, and really referring to the master, whether that master is in the form of patriarchy or whether that master is in the form of a white savior. It's all like playing into that uh, dynamics. Mm. And Dignity for me is also related a lot to education. And I, I think what we see, the level of poverty and, that's, and the, the rising inequality mm-hmm. is also a result of years of underinvestments in good, solid education. Mm-hmm. Not telling people um, what to think, but showing people how to think. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, even if I look at the rising populism everywhere and the rising authoritarianism, is really a result again of of underinvestments in in solid independent um, education. Mm-hmm. I was participating in a discussion on decolonizing aid yesterday, and there were two fantastic women there who are both from the global south and who are sort of uh, uh, often on the receiving end uh, in that uh, donor aid agenda. Um, And they said it all begins where the agenda is being created and where the decisions are being made. And oftentimes that is still at either in Den Haag or either in London or in New York or these big international spaces. Or I would even say in the capitals of the African countries, in Nairobi, in Bamako, in Niamey, rather than in people's households themselves. 
And that to me is where I would say inclusive governance and accountability is also related to where those decisions are being taken and where the power to influence those decisions lie. And, you know, so a lot of my um, uh, girlfriends in Africa um, would say, I feel I may have access to spaces, but I don't have control, even at their own household level. Wow. So that to me is where a lot of it begins. And with, with Invoice, we try to sort of topsy-turvy to, to reverse some of that discourse. But it's hard because it's also a program um, with funding from the Netherlands Ministry of Foreign Affairs, executed by Oxfam and Evos. So there are already certain par parameters that you have to work within. But we try as much as possible to, to honor the, the, the slogan, nothing about us without us, mm -hmm. and that we have uh, abbreviated into now us to give it some agency and urgency. And uh, yeah, a lot of, if you'd stay, and maybe that also has played into my own decision to resign from voice, is because if you look at what's happening in 2020, the importance of authenticity Authentic leadership is so critical. If you look at a, a Stacey Abrahams in, um, in, in Georgia, what she's been able to do as a woman of color. If you look at a Wangari Mathai, if you look at a, um, well, who, if you look at a Stella Nyanzi. Mm, right, in Uganda. Li their lived reality right. allows them a lot of space, which I don't have. I have affinity. Mm. I have empathy. I'm trying to do my best, but I can never be their voice. Right. And that has also led me to the realization authentic leadership is so critical in this day and age. Right. Am I still the best to lead a ground facility that honors the principle of nothing about us without us? Mm -hmm. Then you have to be honest with yourself. Right. But I, I see the challenge um, even as you're leaving. I wonder... And it's not only Voices or Novi, but I think it's other organizations as a whole. So when you leave and you want to leave to a rights holder or someone who's indigenous to the community to be the one to take over, what tools do we give them to enable them to succeed as well? Because sometimes my fear is then something goes wrong and goes, we knew this wasn't going to work because of A, B, C, and D. How do we empower these rights holders to be able to actually succeed and almost put them up for success? How do we do that? And what do you think, even as you're leaving, um, what structures are you putting in place that will enable the person you, you pass the baton to to be able to do as much as you can yeah, it is. It's a very valid point, Dorothy, um, because it's also the tension between having someone who has a global helicopter view of right. the world and someone who's deeply embedded at that community level and that you may necess not necessarily want to take out of that community context right. either right. because that's where... Uh, she or he or they draw their legitimacy and credibility from. So that's a constant tension that, uh, or puzzle that you need to, to, to be considerate of. 
and how do they talk to Oxfam and someone in the Netherlands like you? You you are Dutch. You can speak to them and have access, which they may not be able to have. Um, how does that play out as well? So it's almost a a try apartheid sort of way, you know, being in the community, talking to the headquarters, talking to the people who determine how much money they should get. Yeah, luckily we, like in a way, the, the global manager role um, doesn't decide directly on uh, alone on big monetary decisions. And this is where the inclusive governance obviously plays a crucial role. There's a whole team behind it. There's a whole process behind it. And what you see um, in general in the de development sector is this shift the power. There's a great hashtag about it, which is part of decolonizing aid. And uh, the, the ministry, the Netherlands Ministry for Affairs, has been somewhat of a front runner by funding organizations directly in the global south rather than through intermediaries such as Oxfam Novib or Evos. Uh, uh, um, so there is already that trend uh, that uh, is going on and that voice in a way is also taking uh, more of a leadership role in. So the structure, as long as you have um, good structures in place, you can offer a coaching um, environment. Um, you can offer the sisterhood for sister good. I have no doubts that we can find an even more fantastic no, that sounds very pretentious. A fantastic leader, yeah. So how is the process going on? Has the recruitment process started? And when is your it's last day at work? It's in its final stages. It's in its final stages. Some hiccups on the way. Um, mm. But yeah, it's in its final, final stages. So you talked about the importance of dignity, and I really um, like the idea of dignity and poverty. And you talked about language. Talk to us how you look at this language and dignity, because at No Head Podcast, we really believe that the language we use almost gives you that value and that dignity. And how do we, how do we have the right language and how do we maintain that dignity and give others dignity? Yeah, it's been, yeah. And this is, again, a constant journey. Yeah? It's uh, right. to work on inclusive language. Mm -hmm. I've just written an article about it, the language of power and the power of language, because I really wanted to explore right. more of the, 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 the terms that we use. Mm. For example, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples that may trigger a further reflection. Capacity building is something we use a lot in the development sector. Mm. Um, that means... It's much better to talk about capacity strengthening already because that already shows that you have capacities. Everyone has innate right. capacities. By strengthening them, it, you respect and you dignify those innate capacities that everyone has. Mm. Capacity building would assume that you have none. Mm. So that's already a simple way. I also feel there's a, always a lot of gratitude to donors. Thanks to voice. And I mm. always say, no, thanks to yourself. You did it. We may have been an attribution or a mm. contribution, but you are the transformer of your own life. Mm. And so that's also, then I say thanks to myself and support of voice, which is already a different power dynamic that you play into. Right. Um, there's a lot of um, 
patriarchy in, in pronouns as well, um, especially in the French language. Mm -hmm. So I would not, I would uh, say, the, you know, the teacher, I would never assume that's just a him. So I would always say the teacher. And if I don't know the, the identity, I would say she or he. So that's also, like, mm -hmm. I learned, for example, that in French, all the female genitalia are actually masculine words, which I refuse to adopt. <laughs> right. That's so, how language, yeah, so that's I how played. powerful language is, yes. Hmm. Yeah. So I, yeah, and, um, um, like, the headquarters I don't use. Uh, I use global office. I don't, I don't use the term in the field. I also like Africa is one big field. Yeah, I'm going to the field All or right. I'm going on a mission. We're not militaries. We're not missionaries. We're going on a work trip. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't necessarily equate Nairobi to a field. Um, <laughs> it's in a way a much modern city than, than Hague is. So, yeah, I'm trying to be very conscientious and intentional about the words I use and the language I use. Right. And so I would always say the, the, the voice groups or the voice rights holders that we serve mm -hmm. to show that we are a facilitative leader. Mm -hmm. It's not about us, but right. it's about those rights holders that we need to serve. Right. So when I do speaking engagement, I would consult or I would first ask the question, should it be me speaking or should I actually say no this time? Let's give that space to someone else. Um, in your five years as, 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 as the global program manager, what has surprised you most, you know, as you've worked with rights holders in various countries, you know, Vietnam, um, Africa, you know, Kenya, Uganda, uh, Mali? What has surprised you most? Yeah, there's a couple. Let's, let's, let me think a little bit. It's, it has to do a lot with... Um, working on that dignity and the way that people self-censor and the way that how people feel about themselves says a lot. Um, and we've been, so even in our, in our grant making, we have various grants and we have a very small grant called the empowerment grant. And that is really where people first start working together. And it's tiny amounts of money, but this is where people are, come together and decide, hey, I actually want to work on my self-esteem. I want to work on uh, being someone in my community. And those grants have been most transformative in, 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 in bringing about more dignity within people. And that has been a huge surprise, that that level of, of, of self-hate, self-loading is so big within the rights holders group uh, that, we, that we stand for. And that you do need to work on that quite uh, consciously and intentionally. Why do you think that is the case? Um, sorry, before you go on, why, why is that? And, and I noted it, this self-censorship, this self-deprecation. Um, is it poverty that has led, has, you're an anthropologist. Is it poverty that has led them to this place of low self-worth? Or is it just systemic? Yeah, I would say poverty is systemic as well. So it's a combination of both. I think it's the patriarchy mm. too. That, um, and it, 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 it's not seeing the worth of people because, because they are people. Mm. 
Um, if you look at people with albinism, uh, look at Tanzania, look at the Malawi, they're being hunted for their organs right. or for who they are. Well, if you hear often enough, I'm not worth anything or you're not worth anything or you're not part of a community, that's when you start believing that. Um, mm. So, and again, it starts a lot with education and language. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the other element which I found um, very upbeat is the level of resilience. Um, and the, and related, related to that is the is the, the, the innovativeness that people show, the resourcefulness that people show right. um, to, as part of that uh, resilience. There's a, you talked about Vietnam. There's a small pro- Vietnam is not one of our key countries, but we mm. do some multi-country work as well. Mm. Um, the, there's a small group of women with hearing impairments and they were part of the Now Us Awards. And they brought those Now Us Awards back to Vietnam and set up an organization to promote more sign languages in schools called Hand Speak Vietnam. And they took that Now Us Awards, that concept of celebrating inclusion to create the Now Deaf Awards in Vietnam and entirely adapting it to their own context. Wow. And that was wow. just a really nice example to see how people mm. took matters into their own hands. Right. Uh, same with an organization in, in Mali. Uh, it's called AMPA. It's for the protection of people with albinism. It's a small association. Mm. And they organized a beauty pageant um, for initially only Miss Albinos. And we had a conversation. I said, no, we can't just do women because beauty pageants also have a very negative stereotype. True, true, so true. I said, let's do... Mr. and Mrs. Albinos. So it's also about gender parity there. And mm. that's and that's really shown that beauty is beyond skin. Right. And you can right. see people's dignity and self-worth rising as you as that journey continues. Yeah, you talk about resilience, and 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 that's the one thing I think we talk about a lot in Africa and, I, and probably other emerging markets, because life hands you so many curveballs that the only thing people have is the spirit and maybe even just this idea of joy in spite of the poverty, in spite of the situation. Um, and, and that always surprises people as well. What are some of the hopes you have and things you hope to see? I was always hoping that... Um I don't know if you follow Humans of New York. Um, yes. Uh, and I saw that. Yes. yes. I was always hoping that there would be an inclusion component in Humans of New York to right. showcase a lot of the rights holders that have been served uh, or that we have served as part of Voice. So that was one dream I tried to work on, but they've become so big that it's always quite hard once something becomes so popular. And, and mainstream, but that was one dream I had. Um, the program initially would continue until 2024, so I'm also hoping that it would continue beyond 2024. And I'm really hoping that, like, um, a woman with disabilities or a, a, an LGBTI uh, minority would take the lead and would just take it to the next level. That's my biggest, biggest hope. Right. Oh, wow. 
I love that. I love the idea of seeing that. But even if you look at in, in Africa, we are still a long way. If you talk about LGBTQI, it's still, you know, other than South Africa where it's legal, the rest of Africa is still grappling with accepting uh, LGBTQI as part of the community. Do you see that as, you know, in your work as um, it's, 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 there's, there's still some growth needed in that area with, with legislation, with people. What do you see at the grassroots? In South Africa, it's one of the most progressive constitutions where the rights of pe people from various sexual minorities are being safeguarded and are being honored. Mm -hmm. uh, indeed, in quite a few of the countries in Africa, there is uh, legislation around um, discrimination, allowed discrimination, um, but I see that the movement is growing, uh, the, 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 the grassroots, from the grassroots levels, um, the movement, the LGBTI movement is growing. Um, and what is important there is that it's growing from within. It's not seen as something Western. It's, and actually, I would say that uh, the colonial powers uh, brought a lot of the homophobia to Africa where it wasn't there before. If you look at, as an anthropologist, if you look at the history of Africa, there's a lot of beautiful stories about the third gender within the Hausa mm. or about um, um, same-sex consensual relationships being perfectly normal, uh, uh, um, coming before marriage. Or next to marriage. There are really matriarchal societies that have a lot more diversity embedded into it. And I would say that colonial powers didn't do us any favors uh, to. No. no. Yeah. So yeah. you've shown that it can be changed already once to the negative. And I think now is the time to show that it can change to the positive. Thank you. Well, I like that. I like the fact that it can be changed to the positive. And what you have done by saying that you want to pass the baton because representation matters is such a great way. And I'll just say to, you know, to others who are in the community to give people a chance and see what they're going to do. And so what does the road look like for Marinke after this? What are some of your plans? Well, haraka, haraka, ina baraka. Kweli. Kweli, haraka, haraka, haina baraka. Yes, I want to take indeed. a moment to reflect on what I do next. I, yeah, I have some. Normally they say yeah, the older the more mature, but I also like the older the crazier. I, 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 I don't know if I want to continue in the development field the way that it is now. Mm -hmm. So that is something that I, I'm reflecting upon. Maybe I should start trading rather than aiding. Okay. Um, maybe Trade. play a little bit with the textiles that I'm wearing. I love African right. designs. That, yeah. So I'll see. I want to take a moment of reflection and see where, where life takes me next. I love that. And what a wonderful way to end the podcast. See where life takes you ne next. May you be curious as you discover. May you be open as you let life lead you on that exciting journey. Thank you so much, Marinke. Thank you. And thank you, Dorothy, for giving me this space. Thank and you so much. And I hope so I've much. spoken with no hat and just heart. 
<laughs> yes, you have. And really looking forward, who knows, maybe one day you'll see me in The Hague. If you're ever in Nairobi, please, let's have coffee. Yes. Yeah? Yes, I would love that. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And that's all we have for you in today in No Head Podcast. Follow us on Instagram at No Head Podcast. And may you be curious and may you let life lead you on an interesting journey. May you have the dignity that is yours and may you feel empowered to do what you want to do in this life. That's all for now. Bye-bye. <laughs>